1: Hi, my name is Michael Goodfriend and I'm the executive producer of In the Cards. It is my pleasure to have with me today the writer and director of In the Cards, Kevin Henderson. And the brilliant Lila Robbins, who plays Bella in In the Cards. I want to start with a little bit about Lila. She is an American stage, film, and television actress who has appeared in numerous legendary films, planes, trains, and automobiles, an innocent man, a call to spy. Her television credits are immense and i just can't get into all of them but i'll name a couple that i like <laughs> homeland murder in the first the walking dead we will definitely have to talk about that lila uh she is a native of wisconsin originally
0: no no no, no. no? Minnesota. minnesota. oh minnesota
1: but Safe i thought you minnesota. oh right Went okay to I'm college getting... in
0: wisconsin okay.
1: i'm getting you mixed up with Uta Hagen.
0: Yeah, well, yes, Uta's from
1: Madison.
0: (laughs) Oh, well, thank you for that.
1: Well, I'll take that any day. Okay, but Minnesota. (laughs) But you went to the University of Wisconsin-Eau Claire. Indeed. And then you went to the Yale School of Drama.
0: Indeed.
1: Which you have in common with myself and Kevin Henderson.
0: Yes, look at that. You've acted (laughs) with
1: Steve Martin and Tom Selleck and (laughs) lots and lots of other people. James Earl Jones uh, you've done all the legendary New York uh, series, Law and Order, Law and Order, Special Victims Unit, Law and Order, Criminal Intent, Third Watch, Sex in the City, 30 Rock, The Good Wife. Oh, my God. Do we do we need to go on? I mean, you've done it all. You've done everything.
2: We uh, just need to say the boys because I love that show. And, wow. and she, she was marvelous in it, of course.
0: The boys. The boys.
2: And then there's Kevin. Kevin who
1: also <laughs> went to Yale's Kevin. <laughs> he he has had actually quite a stage career, has performed in regional theaters across the country uh and was a writer on Raising Hope. He's an award-winning screenwriter and uh he came up with this incredible series called In the Cards which listeners I have to say is the reason I'm here today. Because I produced uh, a radio show on Sirius XM called Left Jab with a guy named Jeremiah Tittle, who was the engineer on that show, who then went on to start a podcast company. And uh, during the pandemic, uh, during the lockdowns, I got in touch with Kevin and I just was shooting the breeze with him. And he said that he was writing podcast series. And I said, OK, I've got to introduce you to Jeremiah one thing led to another i ended up producing this and working with next chapter podcasts and i am in the position i am now today thanks to in the cards so this (laughs) was all in the cards for me uh welcome to you both i'm really really i've been looking forward to this conversation since kevin and i talked in 2020.
0: <laughs> ah, yes, and you also acted in this podcast.
1: I did. I played Robert. I will
0: not forget your French. Uh, uh, yes. Uh... <laughs>
1: uh, yeah, Kevin and I, Kevin and I have a little beef to this day about um, uh, dropping the accent in a key moment, and he won
2: because he's the director.
0: Oh. Yeah,
2: it was funnier my way. He thought it was funnier his way, but uh, you know.
1: Fortunately,
2: I... fortunately, the 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 dialogue editor uh larry larry walsh he oh, was yeah, the he, he was the uh, uh, deciding vote so he, you can blame it on larry too he
1: was kissing up to the director so no. wait a minute did
0: you drop the accent or you didn't drop the accent
1: i
2: didn't i wanted to say fort lauderdale with the southern accent <laughs> <laughs> Yes, when they catch when they catch him, that he's just pretending to be.
0: Yes, I noticed uh, a that, French but I thought, person. well, maybe I missed something because I didn't. Think, I didn't think you dropped the accent.
2: Right,
1: I didn't see Lila. You're on my side, aren't you? I should have. I should have dropped the accent. No, it was better the way it is.
0: Ah. No, let,
1: let the star speak. You know what? It kept me in
0: anticipation of the moment that you would drop the accent. <laughs> so who knows? You may be coming back in episode six and drop the accent. You
2: know, maybe that, maybe, that maybe. That see, the hooked,
1: most diplomatic that keeps
0: us hooked in. Do you see what I mean? <laughs> wow. You know,
1: that <laughs> that was splitting the hair there. You really you win, Lila. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very diplomatic, I think, is what
0: I'm doing. Between the uh, producer and the writer <laughs> and director, I'm, I'm staying very diplomatic. <laughs>
2: um and I will say that as the writer of this thing, um, you know, when I'm when I'm writing I don't necessarily think of specific people when I'm writing. I, I, I'm usually thinking of myself in every single role. <laughs> <laughs> uh, or I'm thinking of my wife as playing the the, the love interest. Um, but when I was writing this, Lila, I was always thinking of you. Um, oh, my goodness. Which oh. is why, you, you know, and when we talk about the history of how this all started, uh, you know, I wrote I banged out the first four episodes um i contacted the the sound designer i said hey i got this this idea of doing this thing are you in or what he's like that's a great idea so i banged out the first four episodes and the sound designer and i decided to mock up do a mock-up of the first episode so uh i flew to new york and uh We gathered some actors, Uh, Lila was one of them. She was kind enough to come over to my friend's apartment. And we I believe it
0: was only two blocks away, so we made it much more. <laughs> it <laughs> was important. only
2: two blocks, has away. you been you in would Tribeca, not have,
0: honey. This may not have all happened. right. Uh, no. was...
1: We would not be here today if you had done this in Brooklyn. <laughs> <Yes>.
2: oh, but <laughs> yeah, anyway, we sorry. but Lila came over and uh, you know, gave a little respectability to the group uh, by her presence. And yeah, we mocked up that first episode. So, so Lila has been part of this from the very 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 beginning it's true and, and i
1: remember hearing that um demo you played it for me kevin way back then and I yeah lila so lila whether or not you realize that you've been attached to this project since since day one <laughs> since day but you one. know what was since very interesting
0: one? about that first uh demo session is that kevin wanted us to physicalize our role so that would be we would be breathing properly and moving around it was like yeah we we were almost I wanted, acting out the whole thing
2: physically. right? Well. And that's what I, wa- I wanted to, I-, I wanted it to feel very organic. And I was um, sort of inspired by, uh, there's a podcast called The Homecoming that starred Catherine Keener, which was later turned into a series starring Julia Roberts. Uh, and Katherine Keener insisted that everybody have body mics when they were recording and that they would do a little set and that it would that you you would play it like you would play it as a real scene, and I was just I loved that idea because um, I wanted this. I thought the only way for this to fly would it was it for it to be very organic and people to be real and feel like they were in real situations. Um, so you know it was an experiment that we did, and because of the pandemic and the rules that the Screen Actors Guild has now for. Recording. Everybody had to be in their separate booth, but we still maintain that idea of of trying to be organic and connected and and all of that. Lila,
0: absolutely.
2: What was it like for you to be in the booth, in the
1: isolated booth, recording this series? Did it fe- Did you feel isolated, or did you feel like you were engaged with your partners?
0: Uh no, I felt really engaged with with the partners. I mean, I. It was great to have everybody there doing the scene together, obviously, which is not always the case. Um, but I've done a lot of, you know, I, I think I'm quite comfortable in the booth because I've done a lot of voiceovers back in the day when they were still hiring union people for voiceovers. <laughs> then it changed. And, now, um, now they hire they get arrested. A-ha. Uh Yeah. So I, I enjoy working with the microphone and, and being in the booth and, and it- yeah, I felt very connected.
1: Is it usually like usually you go in, right, and you just do your lines, right? And bump but you do your lines. You don't have the person responding. Is sometimes, that-
0: like even in a in a telephone call, sometimes with a TV series, you don't even have the other actor responding. So it's like, how do I know how I'm gonna say that next line unless that person actually said it? How how can we do it in isolation? So I guess it's the job of the second person who records to sort of try to fit their responses into whatever that other person has already recorded, which is very difficult, which doesn't make it very spontaneous. But to have yeah. us both there talking to each other is wonderful.
1: So yeah. now we, we have to solve a mystery before we do go any further. Um, and, and that is how you know each other.
2: Kevin and Lila, <laughs> because Lila can't remember. I can't but... remember anything anymore. Are you kidding so, in between my second and third year, uh, I uh, got cast doing a play called The Country Wife at the New Jersey Shakespeare Festival. And um, wait,
1: you hadn't even graduated from Yale and you got cast in a professional production?
2: Yes. Yes, Michael. Let's see? Uh, thanks. This is how it goes boosting my ego. Um, and Lila was there doing Harold Pinter's The Homecoming and playing the- Ruth. The fantastic role of Ruth. And she oh, just okay. slayed. She slayed. <laughs> um, And we had one of the actors in that show was also in my show, which was then rehearsing. His name was Paul Mullins, a fantastic actor and paul and fantastic and director as well yes oh really yeah. fantastic yeah. Director. yeah so paul and lila were pals and uh, so i just started ha- i was hanging around with paul so so i just pretended that i was a pal with with lila <laughs> and every, anytime she'd see me i just pretend that that we were famous <laughs> old friends and uh even till uh last december when we're we're trying to nail down everybody's schedule and, and lila's really trying to decide whether she's gonna jump into this project she's like so how is it i know you again <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. No. Oh, so, just, so that's how and then i be you know then you become part of that new jersey shakespeare family so I, I i ended up doing a bunch of shows there lila did a bunch of shows so we'd see each other's shows and so that's yes. where we know each other
0: yes run by the wonderful bonnie monty who's yep. actually yeah. going to be uh retiring well we're not we don't like to use that word um she's will no longer be the artistic director at the end of this season right. moving on to writing and directing elsewhere and things like that but she really wow built a gorgeous theater yeah uh, it was there her first season in 91 and uh she rebuilt the theater physically I mean she did so much such a wonderful uh leader of that of that space we had a lot so of good so time. Kevin
1: Kevin dogged your heels for decades <laughs> right <clears throat> he was right. a sycophant and um you couldn't shake him <laughs> and
0: happily i guess happily <laughs> yes
1: yes well right. i don't know it's the dog t- chasing its tail here because you didn't really know who kevin was but you thought maybe he could do something for you somehow <laughs> down the line <laughs> because these young yes. up starts they do become successful sometimes <laughs> yes, you've got to be very
0: nice to the youngins because That's you never r- know they're going to be right. like a producer in some big studio someday, <laughs> and
1: you'll be like, "Yes," and you're like that that
0: guy, that kid when he was <laughs> that guy's camp. running a studio. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Meanwhile, hey. Kevin is chasing you because he's hoping that you can elevate his stature in some way, oh. and and get him to a level where where he is known
2: somehow, and <laughs> it leads yeah. to in the cards. Yes. Yes, and Michael and Michael, you say that with with jest but it is true. I mean you know if we if we can attract uh, an actor of of Lila's talent and stature, people want to work with her. so truth um it, you know I I am grateful you that, that you you were I, so we we are very very grateful that you hopped onto this and you just and you you're doing it's so great. it's so great. I love it. You, you
1: were also the source of my greatest moment of panic because you were the linchpin in this whole thing. Like, we wouldn't have gotten the cast we got if it weren't for you, Lila. Oh, People were like, oh, now. oh, Lila Robbins is in it? Oh, oh you know, this than- is true. And then right before rehearsal started... I'd <laughs> be like, I'll never work with that one. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm not no, here. Our, your agents were like, this doesn't seem like. I mean, what? When is this gonna happen? Well, I don't know if we want Lila to do this. I was like, what do I have to do? Just tell me what I have to do to keep Lila on board. <laughs> I didn't know this. Was oh, you going
0: know what on. you what you what you actually did because originally a lot of the scheduling was like all of us had to be there all of the time, oh, God. and then you guys kind of broke it down into smaller kind of clumps of work, which made it a lot easier, I think, for all the actors to sort of participate because it wasn't entailing you know like eight hour days for two weeks so you guys really like honed it down into these really great pockets of work that were doable I think for everybody so that's hats off to I assume that's you Michael organizing all that
1: that that um, was that was yeah and I have to give credit also to my coordinating producers Liana Keys and Kira Bowie who comprise a group called transcend streaming they they were great with scheduling Really great.
0: Right. Really great with scheduling. And you know what? Reading the scripts, they're just so clever. Kevin, they're so wonderful and funny and, and subtle and, and and life-affirming and sweet. And it's just got, you know, I mean, there's some profanity in it, whatever. But, but it has a kind of a sweetness to it. There's, a, there's an innocence to the story. And, yeah. and you, get, you rarely get that sort of product these days, you know?
1: It, and It has a good
0: heart to it.
1: I, I mean, know. they're 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 so funny. And then you realize as you're laughing that it's that it that there's, you know. Such depth to the writing, right? you you realize yeah. it sneaks up on you like, oh, my God, what is are we the masters of our fate? Can we be, you know, what do we have control of? And it's so it's so touching um and if and thought-provoking I mean I listen to I listen to these series each episode a dozen times and each time I I find something new in 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 the listening which to me is the mark of really good writing
0: it isn't you hey. know what I think the main character Gil is so uh relatable because I mean who hasn't one had one of those days you know I always get up in the morning and think is I mean, I live in New York City. I don't know what it's like in L.A., but maybe you I think everybody everywhere meets these kinds of days where it's like either the city's for me or the city's against me today. <laughs> it's like, I'm, am I really going to miss that last, you know, express subway when I'm already behind because this happened and that happened and I stubbed my toe on the bed and I I couldn't figure out what to wear. And then the coffee spilled and then the, the, the coffee grounds when everywhere. you know, it's like everybody has those days where literally everything starts to go wrong. So I think everyone can relate to the story, and that what's so sweet about it is that this character Gill just keeps going and staying positive positive. And you know, it's kind of like, oh, you know, shit happens. It's like he's not getting too down on himself. Yes, he'd like to do better, but but there's just such a a sweetness the way he just he keeps on going. He just keeps on going, and you can't help but root for him. You can't help it.
1: <laughs> Let me ask you, I guess, you know, um, I can ask both of you, but Lila, have you ever been to a psychic? Yes. How many and, times?
0: And one was actually very, um, I actually went to a psychic, I believe I it was my 30th birthday and I was in L.A. I spent some time in L.A. at that time when I was like 30, 31. And I thought, I'm going to buy myself this this thing and and she did the cards, and she said you're not going to meet the love of l- your life until you're 41 <laughs> and i'm 30 and i'm like are you <laughs> fucking crazy i can't take this i have to wait 11 years <laughs> to meet the love of my life and she was right
1: and who is the love of your life the lucky guy
0: robert cuccioli who is also a part of the podcast
2: that's right. He plays the Kevin boss, Jim, and he kills. He is so funny. Oh, he is my god! he's very funny. Oh, my God. Oh, his stuff makes me laugh so much.
0: So as far as seeing psychics, it's a little weird because sometimes I feel like they can suggest things to you and then you start to manifest them because you start to think about that. So I'm a little like wary to go to one today. I have a friend in Toronto, um, a Latvian friend who's writing a screenplay for me because I'm 100 percent Latvian and uh and she has tarot cards and so when i when i go up to toronto to shoot the boys she will do my cards and i i get a kick out of it i i enjoy that sort of thing you know astrology and but um i'm not the kind of person who like on my street i'm walking down the street and there's a woman who puts out a table and you know psychic readings for 20 bucks i'm i'm not going to do that
1: it's it's a, uh, i feel like the whole psychic thing it's 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 got to be random and accidental. I mean, I went to a psychic because I had a girlfriend who was like, "Come on, sweetie, we were in LA. I lived in LA at the time and and she dragged me in and we we went and I didn't think anything of it and everything she told me came true.
0: Oh my god. Years really? later
1: I realized that everything came true and I wouldn't have met my wife if I hadn't gone to a uh, an astrologer.
2: Really? Why? Why is that?
1: Well, um, I was I was in an acting class with Larry Moss, who who uh, uh, this was when I was in L.A. and Larry Moss would always talk about his astrologer, his astrologer told him this, his astrologer told him that. So finally, one day I was like, who's your astrologer? And he gave me the name. And this astrologer was in New York and uh, I set up an appointment and I went and she gave me some good advice. She said. You know, uh, you have a tendency, she didn't know me this, but she said you have a tendency to withdraw when you're not feeling very happy and you don't feel that you, you want to go into your man cave and, and you know, be alone. She said when you feel that way, if anybody ever invites you out to a party, you should go. And a couple months later, I was working in, in Washington, D.C. at a theater called the Woolly Mammoth Theater. And my dressing roommate said, hey, man, there's this party happening you should go and I really didn't want to but I remembered the astrologer said you know if you ever feel that way go and so I was like okay and I went and I met my wife yeah yeah
0: well I mean I kind of believe in that theory generally is to it's better to get out of the house you never know what will happen no one's going to find you in your apartment no one's going to find you for anything in your apartment you need to get out and sort of see what happens out there. I mean, I have a very strange story and I'll try to be very concise but if you have time. Um, we have all the I,
1: time in the world.
0: I was in um, Cape Town, South Africa shooting Homeland. And it went, once again, it was my last couple days working. And I went to, I just said, I'll treat myself to this guy, some healer guy from America. And he, you, you lay on a table and he's supposed to look at yourself and your body or whatever, and say things to you. And my father had just passed away Uh, before I got Homeland. In fact, I think my father sent me the job of Homeland, um, as a gift. Um, And I'm lying on this table and the guy literally is doing like this with his fingers over my legs, like pixie dust. And I'm like, oh my God, this is the worst hundred bucks I've ever spent in my life. And he's like, well, he did get it out of me that my father had passed away. Okay, in some ways they sort of get information from you sometimes that helps them go to where they're going to go with their reading. Well, he's doing this pixie dust stuff on my legs and saying well, since your father died you don't really have a foundation like you need to recreate your foundation because your dad was your foundation and he said, and I see some weakness in your legs like. I you know your legs and i'm like oh my God I, I walked out I looked at his the books were on the table selling the books, I was like i'm out of here walked home the next day. I did a small roll in um eye in the sky that that helen mirren movie i I played a a, uh, a u.s official i went there i sat in the trailer for eight hours shot for a half hour then i went to claire dane's halloween party where i proceeded to dance to I believe it was Michael Jackson's Thriller (laughs) and my ACL snapped in half. Oh,
2: my God.
0: And I fell to the ground. (gasps) I knew nothing about knees and I got up. It was like the knee was not I'm not talking a tear. I'm talking snapped in half. And I'm like, what is with my leg? And I had finished all my work. I was done with Homeland and I had decided to stay another four days just to climb some more mountains because they're just so beautiful there. And instead, I spent time getting MRIs and
1: running around with
0: crutches. The guy had said my legs. And the next day, my ACL snapped in
1: half. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That wasn't pixie dust that he was sprinkling on you. That was leg weakening. (laughs) Well, you see, you're onto
0: something. Because either he knew something or he put a curse on me. And I'm not Ah. sure which it was.
1: (laughs) But I'll tell you this. Claire Danes will never forget you.
2: (laughs) (laughs) she probably just thought you were drunk at the party She was like
1: like, oh my god what a mess that woman she's oh my god she had
0: decorated the the house so beautiful like when we came in the uh, apartment this beautiful house there was blood smeared like all over the walls there was a dead body floating in the swimming pool (laughs) and there was a coffin that you could get in and out of if you wanted to i mean she had decorated this place within an inch of its life or or her or her you know her she had a
1: set designer coming and do it
0: She had people yeah <laughs> she had people she was so nice she was so nice to me she was so lovely she was
2: she, a wonderful actress she is was great well, speaking of the tarot cards and, and psychics when i was researching this i was like you know i should i should go i should go to one and see what they say but i i'm I'm too. I'm too weak, Michael. <laughs> you haven't gone, Kevin. No, no oh, I'm too, I'm too terrified talked. they're going to say something horrible or the death card is going to show up. I, well, I'm I too, guess that's the thing. It's I'm like too you, superstitious. You, I couldn't you, do it. You have to either be
1: at the the bottom of your, you're know, like you're just you don't have, you got nothing to lose by getting your future, or you have to just be so you know carefree that it it doesn't throw you one way or the other. That's that's how I feel about it, but. Yeah, that- if you're too credulous you really can manifest the thing that they predict. Yeah, you know. That's yeah.
0: what I was saying like it gets inside your head and then does do you start to manifest it in some way? Yeah,
2: yeah. Um, yeah, so I couldn't do it. <laughs> but Kevin, like where? so
0: crazy cuz you you write about it so well. So Yeah, I well it's I re- so re- I re- you know, from? I
2: researched. I mean, I researched it all and well mm-hmm. that's the problem is I think it, you know, I try the the uh the uh logical part of myself tries to say that it's it's all nonsense but well, <laughs> the but other it's... side the other side is bigger and i i just I, I i i can't help but i don't know if it would be suggestion or whatever but i wouldn't be able to help but but believe it what is the uh,
1: genesis of this though for you kevin i mean I, how did you
2: come up with the idea what, what well i i wrote uh i just had this idea um like Lila was saying earlier, like you you, you walk out of the, the house one day and you just feel like the city is against you. <laughs> um and I've had probably a lot more of those days than the other days. And I and I just kept thinking, well, what if it you know, I I feel like the world is against me today. And I and I just had that thought. I was like, well, what if that was actually true? What if the universe was actively against a person, you know, what would that be? And um, so that's where the idea sort of came from. So uh, so I wrote this, I I wrote the idea as a as a screenplay, like seven years ago. And um, my, my reps were like, Oh, yeah, it's, it's fun. It's, it's nice. But they didn't really, you know, they didn't love it. They didn't hate it. They were just like, yeah. it's a, yeah. So I just threw it into a drawer. Uh, and then when I then when I had the idea, when I found out about this world of, of of audio dramas making a resurgence, I was like, you know what? I think that story would be a great story. And I could tell that in a very uh, oral way. And um, so I picked up that script again and, and read it. And I was like, yeah, I see why my agents were like, eh, it's OK, because it was just OK. Um, when you have only an hour and a half to tell a story it's hard to be brief so i was like you know what, i'm gonna blow this out and i'm gonna blow out the character like bella who was a very small character in in that screenplay version and um and really dive into the ideas and drive dive into the reality of what this world is and and some of the philo- philosophical ideas that support you know the psychic type of ideas and and just really dive in. So, so that's kind of where it came from.
0: Had you studied a lot of philosophy? I mean, was that part of your schooling? Well, because you I all the did. philosophy I, stuff is interesting
2: too. Yeah, I did go to a Catholic. Uh, I, I did go to a Catholic college, um, not because I was remotely religious, uh, but they had a great theater program there, and uh, run by a, a wonderful, smart director, Brother Augustine Tui. His name was. What um, college was this? Niagara University in Niagara Falls, New York. The Vincentians. Uh, oh. <laughs> uh, so we had a great active little theater department. But anyway, I, I I ended up going there and we had to take three religion classes and three philosophy classes. That was part of of the curriculum there. So that was my introduction to philosophy. And I and I really I dug it. I mean, uh, it was just ideas that always stuck with me. And then when I started to think about this story more and I, so I started to dive into the philosophical ideas of fate and determinism and all of that sort of thing. And to, to, to understand them from not just a, you know, a, a, disney world type of idea uh but from a, a a foundational philosophical sense so i do mention this one this one article that i read i think uh professor towers says and i think in the first episode read the richard taylor essay on fatalism um and that i will say i read that article when i was researching for the screenplay version of this and that thing threw me for a loop it threw me for a loop (laughs) it still has thrown me for a loop uh just the ideas behind that and and how everything kind of unfolds as it as it must and um you can take that as real or not real but the ideas behind it are quite profound
1: Lila, are you, did you study philosophy yourself? No, no,
0: I didn't. It's interesting. Like the astrology tarot card stuff. Part of me feels, you know, the Ouija board and all that part of me feels like there's a little darkness in it, maybe, maybe,
1: Mm.
0: maybe not so much with astrology, but when you start conjuring these other spirits, you know, I, um, I mean, Kevin said he wasn't religious, I suppose. I was raised with religion. I was raised in a Lutheran church and I go now in New York, I go to a a Presbyterian church that I really like a lot. So I don't know. Am I spiritual? Am I religious? I I don't know. I believe in God and Jesus Christ. Um, And sometimes when I'm doing this other stuff, I feel like, oh, am I kind of dabbling in stuff that I shouldn't, you know, sort of my life is in God's hands or God has a plan, although Sometimes when bad things happen in your life, you're like, mm, "What was the plan here?" You know.
1: Well, I, I I think that whole thing of like, you know, you pick up on a vibration, you you adjust yourself to a level of harmonics in the universe, right? That harmonics physics physicists talk about harmonic strands, right? Particle alignment, and you can you can tune yourself to a certain.
0: Yeah, I know, do believe in like raising your vibration. Yeah, and and then the law of attraction and stuff. I I do think I think that's part of. You know, going to the party is you are not sitting at home, sedentary, but you're raising your vibration enough to go out and be with people, and that somehow in that vibration where you meet others, you start to find people that are are like-minded and maybe can help you, and help you be creative. You did get you inspired. Base, you
1: know? Did you base Bella on anybody you know? Bella the psychic, and- <laughs> um, <laughs> probably based her more on sort of. um
0: Latvian ladies that I know are that are very you know and oh I know I actually know actually it was my Romanian um skin lady she was a dermatologist <laughs> she's she's now passed away Elena Schell she was a genius I used to have adult acne and rosacea and she cured me with just natural huh. things and I love her and she would always be very brusque with me she was always like if you pick your pimple you pay me 25 dollars <laughs>
1: you know? so it was like oh, it,
0: she and she was the sweetest thing and she didn't scare me maybe because of my Latvian heritage, I've met women kind of like that. They they sound really tough, but they're actually Mm -hmm. very loving. And so there was kind of a brusqueness thing that I wanted to put in her. So yes, it is Elena. Thank you for reminding me of that, actually.
1: Porn, Satan, drugs, therapy. It's not just the list of what I'm up to this weekend. Okay, you got to do a love scene with Steve Boyer where you okay. predict you're gonna kiss yeah.
0: Yes. Uh, well, um I and- it was wonderful working with him and we didn't really know each other, you know, before doing it. Um it was fun, it's very steamy. Do you know I have a friend who used to do uh voice over stuff, a dub Italian film. Do you know that Selena <laughs> Vettmiller film swept away? Uh-huh. She's the English voice on that. And uh, she said the man that she, she did it with, um, whatever, when he first walked in, she was he wasn't particularly whatever, uh, her cup of tea. And by the end of it, she was madly in love with him because his voice was so sexy. And all the and she was like, oh my God, I think I'm falling in love once again you talked about Jamie's voice you know what a what
1: a Jamie voice that is yeah know oh who plays uh um oh my God Nadia uh yeah. your niece has a voice that is just oh. uh, and
2: she's that's she nice. is that lovely as a human being as well yes
0: say. yes
2: and, and yeah. I'll say Lila when, when things you know this I think we first did that. You were asking me about this yesterday. When did we first do that demo in my friend's apartment on West 71st Street? Yeah. And it was nearly four years ago. Oh, my and, God. And um, shockingly. And then when the idea came to to Michael and then to Next Chapter Podcast, it was probably another eight, eight months from there because I kept writing and so forth. So this has been – it's been happening for a long time, but it was just kind of like – is this happening? Is this not happening? And then all of a sudden, we went from less than zero to 80 miles an hour and we're producing this thing. Um, we're trying to get everybody's schedules together, and we're like, who who are we going to? I didn't, we didn't have anybody for that role of Nadia. And I said, Michael, you you've got to have somebody in your next chapter podcast, uh Corral, who'd be mm-hmm. great in this because we wanted everybody to be in New York, and I'm in LA, so people I know are here. And uh, he, he sent me some names and I just started listening because mm-hmm. I and her voice is just it's just so good. So oh, good. So, so honest. Yeah.
0: And, you know, that also the I mean, she's brilliant. And the and the chemistry between uh, Connor and Stephen is wonderful. They play yeah. Yeah. each, Connor each other Connor so Redlef well.
1: Yeah. yeah. Oh that, my God they have Well you know it, that's one of those things. I remember we talked with our, our friend Christina Sybil. She's a producer of independent films and and was a guiding hand in this product this this whole project uh, from the start um, as we were getting it underway at next chapter podcast and I, I called her several times and uh, you know I, was, I said I had questions about how things could work and this and that. and her she said, you'll see it's gonna come together all at once when it's when it's supposed to. And that's really what happened. We got to a point where we had financing in place enough to be able to do it. And I was just like, this is it. This is the time we got to do it now or we're not going to get it done. And boom, everything cinched up. I do want to ask you, so the speaking of philosophical ideas, you, there's that word and i can't remember the philosophical concept for it kevin but i think it's in episode one or two it's where where uh gill describes or or maybe it's towers describes that when you start focusing on a thing everything in the universe seems to correspond to it i wonder if this happens to you uh uh either of you were you preparing for a role right you're you're doing research on a yes. on a role in a play chekhov you've done so much chekhov uh mm-hmm. and uh uh or or whatever that all of a sudden you start noticing things that you didn't notice before, and you're like, "Wait a minute, that's so weird." This this role that I'm working on is all about that, and there it is right in front of me.
2: You know, like, you know what it's called, Michael? I've found I've found it. What is it, genius? It's the the Bader Meinhof
1: phenomenon. That's what it is, and you talk about this in this series. Yeah, yes, yes. Bader Meinhof
2: phenomenon.
0: Bader Meinhof. Yes. Okay.
2: So. It's like, it's a it's an it's a it's an illusion frequency. So, like you know, you like you said, you're going to buy a car, and you're you're going to maybe you're going to buy this a white Celica, and you've never seen one before, and then all of a sudden you see them everywhere. It's just because your brain has yeah. is tuned into that.
1: Like here's um, a, here's an example. So I was I was cast in this thing where it was it was a noir kind of set and noir. You know, it was all film noir. And all of a sudden there's film noir everywhere in my life. Billboards with film noir motifs and Humphrey Bogart and the fedora and all of that seemed to be everywhere. All of a sudden I was like, oh my God, the universe is all about the life that I lead. You know? (laughs) Right. (laughs) It's all about you. It's all about me. (laughs) I'm impacting the universe here. (laughs)
0: No, but there's that whole section where the uh, two of them are talking about telling a story and they have different images for different things, right. the boy and blah, blah, blah. And that's, you know, how subjective the world is. Whereas somebody can walk around and, and feel like everyone's insulting them all the time. Yeah. And other people can walk around and, and feel gratitude for everything all the time. It's really your own perspective. You and then you reality? meet these people and how can you, it's so... Interesting how people can communicate or not communicate based on all of that given experience or trauma from their past. You know, you can say the word swimming pool and it can give someone total sheer joy and delight and someone else can go, oh, my God, I'm terrified. I feel sick. I want to go home. It's really all very subjective. All of our free associative uh, things are so different from each other. (laughs) Lila,
1: what are you working on next?
0: (laughs) Well, nothing because we're on strike.
1: Oh, so, right. Um, That's right. Yeah. You know, I forgot that we're on strike because oh, it's been that long since I acted. Yeah, oh.
2: <laughs> 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 Well, what no, do you have waiting then, in the no. wings? What do you have waiting in the wings? Uh,
0: well, you know, I did a couple episodes of that. Uh, so help me, Todd, with the wonderful, oh, right. exquisite Marsha Gay Harden. And uh, I've done two episodes. And at the end of each episode, I say, well, until next time or until we meet again. So perhaps we will meet again, I'm hoping. I would love to be back on. i'd never done a sitcom before so that's a real challenge boy oh you got all yeah. those lines you know but it, yeah. it's i mean it's a camera show not a stage sitcom. Right. But, but still uh with comedy you got to spit those paragraphs out and and i find it quite challenging um how do they so do that's that? kind of fun do, yeah i mean just i mean they turnaround. learn it like a play you know yeah but it really depends on how much time i have to learn the lines um, and then I did a one-off of the Accused, but those are all one-offs. I played Keith Carradine's wife in an episode where we had a drug-addicted son. I was quite happy with that, but that's just a one-off because every right. episode is a new cast. Um, and uh, well, The Walking Dead that's that's ended. And, um, and how was boys, that for you? Boys oh the walking dead yeah well it was all during the pandemic you know so it was quite isolating um oh how
1: weird like we all shot
0: in sonoya and i lived in noonan and uh other people lived in different cities peachtree city and some lived in atlanta so we were all spread out and we didn't socialize so it was quite lonely but it was certainly fun to be a part of that group they were very welcoming and very nice and it's it's kind of difficult i've done this a couple of times now in my career where i'll enter a show very late in the run mm-hmm. and everyone has already established their characters and they've bonded and i come in and play some sort of so-called high status character like in the walking dead i'm playing the art the arch enemy in the blacklist i came in and played Katarina rostova a character they've been talking about for 10 years Oh, you know or in the boys i come in and these guys have all been working together for months and i come in i'm the boss it's always an interesting thing to enter a set where your character is high status but nobody knows who you are Mm. and it's like why am i gonna like give her the power
2: right Mm. um
0: it's a it's an interesting little tightrope to walk um especially coming into a show that's that popular Uh, like the walking dead and thinking oh my god am i going to live up to everyone's expectations of of what they want that person to be or what they've imagined that person to be in the case of the blacklist everyone in their mind already has a katharina restover in their mind and then the actress shows up and it's like well that's not what i was thinking she'd be like or
1: huh you know did anybody ever say that to you or anything like that or was it a vibe
0: um you know I'm so bad at social media but I think I thought I'm going to rally and go look at something and there were a couple of comments saying you know some some negative things but generally speaking everyone seemed to be happy with what I did but I suddenly read some negative things and I went oh I'm not sure I want to do this anymore my agent was like don't read that stuff you don't want to go there you know you you can only do what you what you can do and what your ideas are and and hopefully it flies so it's really hard not
1: to read reviews of your work, though, I mean it's like you, and sometimes you can't avoid it like you, you go online to get your parents or your family some <laughs> tickets to the thing and they've got yeah. quotes or whatever you're like that's yeah. what they said about me. <laughs> well, you know
0: now if it's a play like I don't read them until after it's over because whether it's good or bad it's going to affect you in some way yeah, if it's good, yeah. You suddenly are self conscious of that moment, but you know i've had some uh, some doozies. When I did the series with James Earl Jones, uh, back in the 90s, a woman in Seattle wrote, Miss Robbins emanates as much warmth as a cold speculum straight from the fridge. Oh my God. <laughs> and I think you guys are probably know what a speculum is. Oh yeah. my
1: God. And That's like, they are how are is she holding cold. on to that? <laughs> oh my God. I, what did I love she you have just... against you? i don't know <laughs> uh kevin you wanted to ask lila about the
2: boys oh no i was i just love that and and you you sort of addressed it coming in you know later in that series as uh as a top dog and yeah and just wondering how that set was and
0: and on top of it you know in the comic book that that character mallory is a man so oh, on top of me being the top mm. dog i was also a woman and not a man and 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 all those guys are like super, you know, tough and intense. I mean, Carl Urban and you know, everyone's so macho and so. For me to sort of be the boss, I kind of approached it uh, less is more kind of thing. I mean, they all get to be very, very interesting, entertaining characters. I was more of the straight man in that, mm. you know, yeah. kind of just this sort of immovable uh, object. You know, I, I feel like people with power don't necessarily have to display it uh overtly so I kind of yeah. took the route of being quite quite still and just quite simple uh, thinking that was probably the safest route um <laughs> so you've but, done you know yeah very proud to be part of that show it was a really it's been a really big hit
1: yeah
2: people love it yeah people love it
1: just getting back to to theater and and podcasts and all and and the vibrations in the universe I'm I'm always curious to know right when you're doing stage work you definitely feel yeah. the synergy with people. You feel the energy. Energy is something you can feel, I, I think. And there's that resonance and stuff that happens between you and the audience and a very living thing. Yeah. I, I, I'm curious, you've done so much film and television. Does, does that happen in that medium as well?
0: Not really. <laughs> Not really. You know, I mean, most of my career has been theater, but then ever since Homeland, the last, uh, you know, 13, 14 years has been a lot. Homeland really kicked my TV career into high gear. Um, I'm very grateful to that show. And it's a very wonderful show. It's so well written. Mm. But so I, I thought, well, you know, yeah, I'll take advantage of what's happening right now. And it's kind of makes my retirement a little easier, you know, (laughs) nice to be paid. So it's very seductive and one wants to keep going. But I do miss the stage. And I do miss that thing that actual live, you know what I really miss, I miss rehearsals. I miss the rehearsal room. That's what I really miss. And now I haven't I don't think I've been on stage for at least four or five years, which back in the day, I remember I hadn't been on stage for a year. And then I did Comedy of Errors, and the first night I went out on stage, I was overwhelmed by the energy and I Mm. went up on my lines because I was Mm -hmm. like, Oh, I forgot what that wall of people feels like. And I literally just threw me. Mm. Um, So now, not having been on stage for like four or five years, (laughs) I'm kind of terrified to go back out there. But I really really just talking
2: about the rehearsal room. The other great thing about the rehearsal room when you're doing theater is you know you've got four or five weeks ideally to to make all your mistakes to make your wrong choices um, to see what's operating to see to make it all work but when you step onto a tv or a movie set you, there's no rehearsal you just got to get up there and, and, yeah, do and how it.
0: many times like after lunch you go oh now i know what right. i should have done right you i should have done
2: this Should and you
0: know but also, yeah, the rehearsal, all, finding all the ways how you're not going to do it, basically. Yeah. And I feel like I want to challenge myself to do more of that in mm-hmm. rehearsal. I remember working on uh, the, the very dark Bryony Lavery play called Frozen, not to be misunderstood as the musical <laughs> Frozen. It was about a serial killer pedophile and Brian O'Byrne won the Tony that year for that role. And he came in every day and changed things completely every day. I was Mm. like, oh, my God, when is he going to really kind of nail something down? And I think my tendency is to nail things down too soon. Mm. Mm -hmm. And then like third week, everyone else is like coming to fruition. And I'm Mm. like, oh, I didn't really explore this fully. Um, And I I want to challenge myself in in rehearsals to play more. And as you said, you know, find all the ways I'm not going to do it. And it's so funny. Alison Janney once said this uh, as far as being um, having stage fright, because I think I might have a little bit of that what I realized. i'm not afraid to be on stage i'm afraid to enter the stage and I learned Mm -hmm. that doing heartbreak house at the roundabout because in that part of lady utterword I had to enter and exit, maybe eight times. (laughs) And I was terrified to enter. I'm much better. I always joke, I'm much better playing the lead where I just stand <laughs> on stage. <laughs> but Allison Janney said to stop her stage fright right before she'd go on, she'd say, and it goes something like this.
1: Oh, that's great. I love that.
0: And I love that because it feels like it sets you free. There's a yeah, there's a thing that it just kind of like, I'll approach it like another rehearsal. And in that way, I'll have her relaxation and a spontaneity and i'll just sort of accept what's happening today it goes just something like you this do, you know?
1: as opposed yeah. to i'm not going to get it right yeah I'm not
0: going <laughs> to get it right or "I mean, god i gotta hit this there and i gotta hit that there and all these things have to happen and it goes something like this
2: i love that a that's great way to approach it so
0: yeah i so, missed the stage
1: uh before we go um you have to drop into character now as Bella and tell us our futures. <laughs> oh
0: my God. <laughs> well, you're going to have many, many more successes with the company, with your podcasts. I see great success, much money coming to you, all <laughs> kinds of people flocking to want your autographs. You'd become so irritated by the end of it all. You would say, ah. Oh, I do not want all this fame in the end what you want is love and companionship and family and warmth and friends having a good time because life is short so enjoy it
2: love it
1: that's great i've already got the love and the warmth i'll take the money and the fame thank you
0: First things first. <laughs> first things
1: first. No, that's wonderful. Thank you, Lila Robbins. What a incredible pleasure to have you uh, talk to us after oh, we heard so your voice in post-production for oh. months now. And now we get to actually really talk to you the real person it's been amazing
2: so glad that that uh, you know everybody's getting to hear your performance because you are just marvelous in this it's just wonderful everything exceeded my hopes
0: yeah no it was it was a delight i learned a lot I, I i wish to learn more and um it was so much fun it was a real godsend you know during the pandemic to have something creative to to work on and and you guys made it such a joy and a pleasure. And uh, and uh, I wish you all the best, all the best.
1: You got you a takeaway you want the audience to come away with hearing this series?
0: That life is a journey. Life is ups and downs. And I think we're taught so much in this society that everything has to be perfect. Your Your little social media angles of your face have to be perfect, and this has to be perfect. And that's not how life goes. Life is just getting through the day and trying to do it gracefully and facing obstacles and keeping a positive spirit, which is what Gil does so sweetly. And we're all very, I think it kind of taps into our vulnerabilities. And I think it's important for us to realize we're human beings. We're not machines. We're human beings and it's messy. Life is messy. But it can
1: be a fun ride, too. Thank you, Lila Robbins. You've been listening to the In the Cards bonus content series. You can learn more about In the Cards at Next Chapter Podcast website, ncpodcast.com. That's N as in next, C as in chapter, podcast with an S at the end.com dot com, where you can find other podcast series and interviews like the Play On podcasts and talk podcasts like The 500, The 10, Beef with Bridget Todd, and a whole lot more. I'd like to thank Jeremiah Tittle, the founder of Next Chapter Podcasts, And our producer, Pete Musto. Our audio engineer, editor, and sound designer is Justin Cortese. Be sure to subscribe to Next Chapter Podcast for updates on all the latest content. And don't forget to rate and review our shows because it really, really helps. I'm Michael Goodfriend, and I look forward to sharing more incredible works with you, along with lots of enlightening bonus content at Next Chapter Podcasts.